and we're going to start a new series today called One Another. For the rest of the time we got a little bit together here, we're going to do a series called One Another, and we're going to talk about taking ground in our relationships for the next few weeks. You see, in this year of pioneering and moving forward, one of the most important places for us to take ground in is our relationships. And the Bible is full of verses called one another verses. Verses that teach followers of Jesus how to engage with one another. And they are not necessarily commands. They're a roadmap to the best relationships possible. Like if we would just follow the one another's in the Bible, we would be amazed at what would happen to the relationships in our life. There's all kinds of examples. These are just a sampling of what's there. Forgive one another. Accept one another, serve one another, honor one another, strengthen one another, be devoted to one another, pray for one another. Come on, how many of you know that if you live these kinds of things out, your relationships will be stellar? One another. We got to move forward in our relationships. We got to take some ground. In fact, one day Jesus was teaching and and a good old church person came up to Jesus, a teacher of the law, a guy who faithfully went to church and he came to Jesus and he said, hey, I'm Jesus. He said, what's the most important commandment to God? Out of all the commands that God's given us, and there's quite a few, he said, like, what, like what's the most important one? If you had to sum it all up, what would it be? In other words, he says, Jesus, what's the most important thing to God? And Jesus looks back at the man and he says, the most important commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, Jesus looks back at the man and he says, the most important thing to God is relationships. And if relationships are the most important thing to God, then they must become the most important thing to us. You see, if we take ground in everything else in our life this year, but we don't take ground in our relationships, we've failed at pioneering. Come on, hear me on this. If you take ground in your calling, in your finances, in your job, in your own personal freedom, if we take ground in campuses and ministries and opportunities, if we take ground in everything except relationships, we failed at pioneering. Because relationships are the most important thing to God, so they must become the most important thing to us. In fact, this is why Jesus one day, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, didn't we drive out demons and perform many miracles? In other words, he says, didn't we do all these amazing things for you, God? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. In other words, Jesus says, I'm not really all that impressed by where you go and what you do and what you accomplish and what you achieve. I'm really interested in relationship. I'm really interested in you taking ground in the relationship with me. In fact, this is why 1 Corinthians 13, one of those passages that we hear often read at the weddings, the the passage that talks about love. Well, if you think of love for a, a second, like love is the foundation of relationships. If you think about it, love is not a feeling or an emotion. Love is really the the ethos. It's the essence. It's, It's the very nature of what relationships are. And love can only be experienced and expressed in the midst of relationship. So in 1 Corinthians 13, he writes and he says, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, but have not loving relationships, 
I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. How many of you know you don't like that kind of guy? If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. In other words, he says, hey, if I can move in the supernatural and if I can hear from God and speak to people and move mountains and walk on water and defeat giants and give everything I've got to the world around me, but I do not have loving relationships, I have nothing. And we struggle with that truth, don't we? See, we forget that the quality of our relationships really determine the quality of our life. That your life will only ever be as rich as the relationships that you have. Your life is not as rich as the possessions or the finances or the activities or the significance or the achievement. No, it's as rich as your relationships. And so if we take ground in everything else, but we don't take ground in our relationships, we've kind of missed the whole point. That's what I'm trying to tell you. And if I'm honest with you, I struggle with this. Like I wish at this stage in my life, I wish I was so much better at relationships than I am. I wish that I knew how to, how to have the kind of relationships that, that, that you read about, that you dream about, that you want to have. Like for so much of my life, I don't buy into this truth. I think so much of life is about moving forward and the relationships will catch up when you get there. You know what I'm saying? Like we got places to go and things to do and things to accomplish and, and mountains to move and giants to fight and water to walk on. Come, come on, let's go. You know what I'm saying? So, so here's the question for you as we start this series. How are your relationships like today? Like how's your marriage or your kids or your parents? How's your friends or your family? How's your relationships with the, the people in this church? See, maybe it's time to take some ground in those areas. Maybe it's time to, to stop focusing for a little while on taking ground in your career or your Instagram followers or the places that you want to go or the, 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 the dreams that you've got. Maybe it's time to just press pause. Those things are good. But maybe it's time to press pause and come back over here and say, have I taken any ground in my relationships in this past season? And I know some of you are thinking, I would love to take ground in my relationships. In fact, let's not do a series about what I have to do for one another. Let's do a series about what they have to do for me. And we will take ground just like that. Come on. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But if you wait for them to do it for you before you do it for them, how many of you know you're going to be waiting a long time? You can't control them, but you can do what Jesus asked you to do. And what Jesus asked you to do is the one another's. In fact, in John 13, Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I love this. Jesus says, A new command I give you. Remember, the old command was love your neighbor as yourself. The new command is love one another as I have loved you. See, under grace, Jesus always raises the bar. If you're one of those people that get stressed out and say, we preach too much on grace, not enough on law, you got to remind yourself that under grace, the bar is always higher. But grace empowers us to live to a new level. And how many of you know a new commandment, loving each other the way that God has loved us, is better than loving your neighbor as yourself? Because sometimes I look at people and think, please don't love me the way you love yourself. Oh, come on. 
You know it. You got some of those people in your life. You're like, I really don't want you to love me like you love yourself. If you can love me like Jesus loves you, we good. That's great. Right? That's what we're talking about. And what's interesting is when he says, a new command I give you, love one another. If love is the essence, if it's the foundation of all relationship, then love one another is the umbrella under which all the other one another's in the Bible fit under. Love one another is the umbrella that every other one on that list and in the scriptures fits under that one. You get that one right, the rest of them will flow. So what I want to do is just give you three quick thoughts as we start the series. Next few weeks are going to get really practical. This is kind of the, 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 the it, how do I want to say it? This is like the framework. This is the, the roadmap of what the one another's are all about. That when you get this, the one another's will start to flow out of your life. Okay, you with me on that? Okay, real quick, here's what you need to understand about one another's in the Bible. First thing is this, one another's are how Jesus relates to us. This may be the best thing I tell you in this whole message. Every one another in a Bible is not a command you have to do for somebody else. It's a promise of what Jesus is already doing for you. When we read the one another's, we get kind of stressed out and we're like, I don't know that I can do that for the people in my life. The point is not to start thinking about what you have to do for them. The point is to stop. And say, this is not a command of what I have to do. This is a promise of what is already being done. The one another's are how he relates to you. That's why in John 13, he says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. He's saying, hey, when you understand how I love you, it will be easy to start loving them. The one another's that I'm asking you to do in relationship are just a reflection of what I am constantly and continually doing for you. It's a promise, not a command. So don't get stressed out about what you have to do. Stop and say, oh my goodness, this is what he is doing for me. In fact, go back to that list again. Just look at this. Forgive one another. Before you have to be worried about forgiving anybody else, just be aware that he has forgiven your sins as far as the east is, is from the west. Accept one another. Before you have to accept people where they are and with their brokenness and their junk, you all of a sudden can realize, wait, God accepted me with my brokenness and my junk. Serve one another. Before you get all stressed out about serving other people, stop and realize that he laid down his life for you that you may live. Honor one another. Before you get all bent out of shape about the word honor, stop and say, Jesus honors me. The way he talks to me and speaks to me and treats me, he honors me. Strengthen one another. Think about it. He strengthens you with his word and with his Holy Spirit. Be devoted to one another. Even when you are faithless, he is faithful. And pray for one another. Before you have to pray for anybody else in your life, just be aware that he's at the right hand of the Father praying for you every single day. The one another's are not what you have to do for other people. They're what Jesus is doing right now for you. And when you get that, it starts to change your mind. In fact, this is why 1 John says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is awesome. You know what it says? You're like, that's a lot of words. What does it mean? Here's what it means. Those who know God best will love people the most. Those who allow the one another's to flow into them will have the one another's flowing out of them. When I let Jesus forgive me and serve me and accept me and honor me and encourage me and be compassionate to me, guess what? 
all those things start flowing out of me into the world around me. This is why 1 John 5, it says, this is love for God to obey his commands and his commands are not burdensome. In other words, this isn't a burden he's putting on you. No, no, no. This is an invitation for freedom to receive what he offers you, to release it to the world and his grace always empowers whatever he commands. So if he commands you to one another, his grace empowers you to one another by receiving that that's what he has done for you. Are you with me on that? Come on. Every time you read a one another in the scripture, I want you to stop for the rest of your life. You can remember this. Stop. This is what Jesus just did for me. That will change how you read it about how you're going to do it for them. Second thing that I want you to know is just simply this. One another's are the culture of the kingdom. They are the culture of the kingdom. If you've ever wondered what the kingdom of God is like, it's like the one another's. That's the relationship. That's the way it flows. That's the way it functions. Forgiveness, acceptance, honor, devotion, uh, praying for each other. That is the culture of the kingdom of God. In fact, John 13, again, Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. Listen, if Jesus is the king of the kingdom, then however he lives is the culture of the kingdom. The culture of the kingdom is not what you and I do. It's what he does. And if he loves us as I have loved you, so you must love one another, then that is the culture of the kingdom. The one another's are how the kingdom of God functions and flows. And I love that he says, a new command I give you. You know what he's saying? He says, with a new kingdom come some new realities. And the problem for most of us is all we know is the brokenness of the kingdom of this world relational realities. So we define the the hatred and the discord and the envy and the jealousy and the distance and the brokenness and the shame and the condemnation. We think that's normal because that's the kingdom that we're most used to. This is why Jesus' main message was Matthew 4, 17, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's saying, change your mind, man. He's saying, change your mind. A new kingdom has showed up with some new realities and its culture is so much better. So we got to learn that the one another's are how the kingdom of God functions and flows, whether we like it or not. But why wouldn't you like it? Because tell me any relationship that you want to be in where you don't want people to forgive, accept, honor, be devoted you're like, well, I got this one relationship. I wish that person wasn't devoted. I wish they would just leave. You know, okay, time out. Come on. Come on. Or how about this? Matthew 6 says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? Like this is how Jesus tells us to pray. Your kingdom come. We're like, man, we want God's kingdom to come. As the people of Valley Creek, we want God's kingdom to come. We want signs and wonders and miracles and the supernatural. And we're like, come, Lord Jesus, come. Do some amazing things. And we cry out for more. And sometimes I think we're crying out for more and we wonder, why isn't God moving? And I think sometimes God's thinking, why aren't you obeying? Before we ask for more of the kingdom, we got to steward the part of the kingdom we already got. This is huge. Before you ask for more, you must steward what is. If one another's are the culture of the kingdom, then before we ask for more, we've got to stop and say, am I stewarding the current realities of the kingdom that I do have possession of here and now today? 
And if the answer is no, then let's stop for a second and say, Jesus, you've already empowered me with the culture of your kingdom. So I want my life to line up with that so I can steward what you have given so even more will come in Jesus' name. Come on, he wants to give us more. But he's waiting for us to steward what is. Come on. We're like half, half, half with it. We're like, right? One another's are the culture of the kingdom. And then the last thing is this. One another's show God to the world. John 13. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. In other words, Jesus says, the one another's in your life show God to a broken and lost world. You know what that means? That means your relationships are missional. Your relationships are missional weapons. We think our relationships are about us and the quality of our life and we just are frustrated that these relationships aren't going the way we want them. This tells us they're missional weapons to show the world who God is. Because let's be honest, the world has a distorted view of God. They think he's mean and angry and distant and that he's out to get us and that he's full of condemnation and wants to shame us. And when the world watches us treat the relationships in our life that way, it reinforces what they already think about God. But when they watch us have supernatural one another's flowing back and forth, they're like, Tom out. Because I ain't never seen that reality in this world. So there's got to be something supernatural about how you're engaging and responding in the relationships in your life. They're missional weapons, man. So how are your relationships? Your marriage, your parents, your kids, your family, your friends, us. How are your relationships? There is no relationship beyond what the one another's can do. There's no relationship that's too far gone that the one another's can't close the gap in Jesus' name. And we got to learn to walk those out. We got to start changing how we think a little bit about it. We got to take some ground in Jesus' name. And not just with the two or three, because here's the deal when we think relationships, we think the people we live with, or we think, when we hear it in church, we think the random person we interact with, like at the supermarket. Okay, what about in the space in between? See, when go to John 13, uh, when the next one for me, there you go. Um, that's cool. We had two in a row with different highlights. There you go. Woo. Okay. When Jesus says this, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Do you know who he's talking to? He's talking to the disciples. So when he's saying love one another, the first thing Peter's thinking is about his wife, his mother-in-law, his parents, his family. John's thinking about his people. James is thinking about his people. And Jesus stops him and he says, hang on. He says, well, I'm talking one another. I'm talking you. Twelve people from different backgrounds, fishermen, tax collectors, zealots, people that couldn't be any more different, brought together by one person, the name of Jesus. And he says, you, you love one another. You see, as followers of Jesus, we're commissioned by God to one another, each other. So here's the question. Do you one another, each other? Before we get lost in our marriage and our kids and all that, and all those are real, and we're going to go through that in this series. Just stop. Do you one another, each other? 
Because here's the deal. We're called to one another, each other, so we can learn that this is how Jesus relates to us. So we can experience the culture of the kingdom. So we can show each other that this is who God really is. Do you one another, each other? And hear me, I know some of you are sitting there and you're like, meh, but, I don't, but I'm not mean to anybody. Okay, not doing the wrong thing is not the same as doing the right thing. Not doing what you're not supposed to do is not the same thing as doing what God has asked you to do. Saying, I'm not mean to anybody else at Valley Creek is not the same thing as saying, I want another each other at Valley Creek. Come on. I mean, look at this list again. Could you just go to the list for me, please? That this, like when was the last time you thised anyone in this room, anyone in your campus, anyone in the atrium and the kids? When was the last time you one anothered each other? Like, hear me. And I know some of you, you're sitting there and you're like, yeah, but bro, I was in church one time and I got close to people and I got hurt. Listen, I know and I'm sorry, but it's time to get over it and move on. Listen, this is called a training center. This is the practice field. We practice one another's in here and we mess up and we make mistakes and we hurt each other and we don't get it right. But we're practicing in here so we can get it right out there. And if every time it doesn't go the way you want it to, you know what's going to happen. You're going to be lost and lonely and broken by yourself saying it's just me and the J-man. It's not just you and the J-man. It never has been. It never will be. It's you, the J-man, and us reaching them. Come on, we got to start changing our mind on some of this stuff. As the world changes, you know what we got? Relationships. Relationships with each other and offering relationships to the world. A church is only as strong as her relationships. We are not as strong as our preaching or our buildings or our vision or our financial position. We are as strong as our relationships. This is why Ephesians 4, talking about the body of Christ. This is why Ephesians 4, talking about the body of Christ, says, from him the whole body, the church, joined together all hell and held together by every supporting ligament, relationships, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. As the relationships function and flow with the one another's, we become strong and full and mature in Jesus' name. Come on. we got to one another each other. And it starts small. It starts by just lingering five minutes extra and just looking someone in the eye and welcoming them, encouraging them, just serving them in a little way. If we want to be a church that sees the kingdom come and his will be done, we got to one another, each other, because he says that's the most important thing to him. We can't bypass this. Do you catch the urgency in my voice? As the world changes and the world becomes disconnected and isolated and individualistic, we as the people of God can't follow that pattern. We got to get out of that river. We got to get out of that stream. We got to get off that boat. We got to get off that bus. And we got to say, I'm not going where you're going. I'm going where Jesus is going. And he asks me to love, to love, to one another, each other. And it's hard. And I don't want to do it. But that's what he does for me. And the more I receive what he does for me, the more I actually start to have a desire to do it for you. 
See, let me pull this all together. 1 Corinthians 13, the love passage, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love one another. It's the umbrella of which they all fit. Okay. Go to the next verse for me. Look at this. God is love. Okay. So if God is love, then that verse, 1 Corinthians 13, is the declaration of who God is. So we can take love out and we can put Jesus in. Listen to this. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. He does not envy and he does not boast and he is not proud. He is not rude. He is not self-seeking. He is not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. He always protects. He always trusts. He always hopes. And he always perseveres. That's Jesus for you. Want one more? No, man. Come on. Galatians. The Galatians verse. Struggling, flowing with me today. But that's all right. I'm going to love one another, you. If I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I live, it's Christ who lives in me. Then everything that's true about Jesus is now true of me. So look at this. The first Corinthians 13 in Jesus. I am patient and I am kind. I do not envy and I do not boast. I am not proud and I am not rude. I am not self-seeking. I am not easily angered. I keep no record of wrongs. I do not delight in evil, but I rejoice with the truth. I always protect, I always trust, I always hope, and I always persevere in Jesus' name. If Jesus is in you, then that's true of you. You may not feel like it, you may not be living like it, you may not behave like it, but that spirit is inside of you trying to come to the surface to help you love one another. To one another, each other. Your spouse, your kids, your friends, your family, and the people in this church and the people in this world. So maybe we need to start this summer by just saying, Jesus, would you help me? take ground in my relationships and I believe that we can move forward because your spirit is in me in Jesus name and so because you love me I can love one another so will you close your eyes with me Jesus thank you that relationships are the most important thing to you and may they become the most important thing to us Lord, in this series, would you give us courage and strength to one another to move forward in Jesus' name in our relationships. Lord, I pray that we would one another our marriage, that we would one another our parents and our children, that we would one another our family and our friends, and that we would learn to one another in this church that we would become everything you have called and created us to be. 
Thank you, Jesus, that one another's are what you have done for us. See, some of you came in here today and you just needed some hope. The hope is, is that Jesus loves you. And he wants to empower you to have the best relationships you could ever dream of if you will just submit and surrender to him. Jesus, may we be a people that live and breathe one another's. In your name we pray, amen.